Craft Beer Radio, episode 91, October 1st, 2007. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And this is Jeff Bear. It's week Oktoberfests. We uh, were a little short on ideas, so we ran out and bought some Oktoberfests. It is October 1st. It's Oktoberfest time. What's going on right now? A friend of mine at work just got back from Munich. Wow. These are American, right? Uh, they are all American beers, yes. They're, the only things they had at the store where I got these today were ones we drank last year. Right. So I wanted to get the new beers. The American-style Oktoberfest, if you will. So this first one... Shell. August Shell Oktoberfest. This, this is brewed in Minnesota, and it, I think it has a fairly wide regional distribution. So it's the uh, it's the Martin-style lager. The beer was arrived as a heartier version of the Vienna lager for harvest time. So they harvested all the, the malt and the barley and, and brewed the Oktoberfest. And everyone knows about the Oktoberfest festival in Munich. It's a huge party. Yes, it is. The one problem I have at, at Beer Fest, and we can maybe talk about this, is that after I get too much beer in me, I start to get a headache and I start to really not want to be there. So that's why I wonder about going to a big fest like the Oktoberfest or even like the Grand American Beer mm-hmm. Fest would have been tough for me. Right. Because after I get too much in me, I don't want to be there anymore. Right. No, I kind of understand that. And, uh, well, I worked three sessions at the Penn Fest. So I didn't want to be there by the end of that crap. Uh, the beer itself uses uh, Vienna malt with some Munich malt to give it a uh, nice um, caramelly, maybe not caramel, toasty. but toasty, toasty, toasty type aroma and uh, and flavor as well. Beer pours a, a brownish orange. This one's uh, slightly cloudy. Some of them can be crystal clear. It should be pretty clean in the mouth, kind of creamy uh, texture and um, shouldn't really detect things like diacetyl or esters. Mm-hmm. So in the aroma on this one, I'm getting a, a nice sweet smell to it. A little bit um, sugary is not the right word. Let's uh, give it a little bit of toffee, maybe. Toffee's a, a good way to put it. It's it's kind of um, yeah, just need a, a a malty, a malted grain aroma. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a kind of hoppy, isn't it? I mean, this, yeah, this I'm one getting is... a fair amount of hops in this. That's what I was trying to figure out. The uh, flavor I'm getting is a um, fairly high carbonation feel in the mouth, even though it's not seeming very lively in the glass. There's a lot of carbonation on the tongue. And the um, some sweet maltiness, and then it kind of gets hoppy at the end. There's a significant, I mean, I'm getting a significant amount of, uh, of, of sort of bright, uh, citrusy kind of note hops um, that are coming through here. And then the aftertaste, I'm definitely left with a lingering malt sweetness, which is a pleasant aftertaste. Yeah, in the middle, late taste, there's certainly hops that are in the back. There's hops, there's a bitterness in the middle, but the the bitterness kind of fades away at the end, and you're left with, like you said, that lingering malt sweetness. Nice, clean. There's not much of a bite to this beer. Mm -hmm. Uh, For a lot of listeners, if you've evolved in your beer drinking as I have, you might like ales but not like lagers. Uh, The Vienna lager style was kind of the style that was my gateway to lagers. And from there, Oktoberfest is a little bit different. But as long as you get something that doesn't have that, that lager bite that we were tasting, sometimes we call it Noble Twang. 
the uh, the beer we did in the pre-show uh, had a bit of a bite to it that was un- unpleasant. It was reminded a reminder of um, you know an American premium lager, right. if you will. It had it had a lot of sulfur in it, and, and um, we checked the guide there. I'm not sure whether whether sulfur is acceptable in this style or not. It doesn't. Say, it doesn't say. But I'm going to err on the, on the side of caution and say you really shouldn't get a lot of DMS on this. No, they also mentioned that uh, noticeable caramel or roasted flavors are inappropriate. So when we're tasting these, let's see if we're getting a little bit of toast toffee, or if we're getting like caramel, really Which, sweet, like you would get from like an, uh, an amber or a brown right. ale or something like that. That's interesting because last year's uh, Sam Adams Oktoberfest, which we loved, had noticeable caramel in it. I mean, it was probably. Okay. Arguably, you couldn't fit it into the style because it was pretty oh. pretty heavy on the malt. Well, it was inappropriate, but it was inappropriate. I, I don't have a clear enough recollection on what it tasted like. So inappropriate to, to be called a classic uh, Martin, but uh, or Merson, but definitely was an awesome beer. This year, from what I could taste, uh, you know, it was in Boston that around the time this came out, and uh, wasn't as good as last year. Okay, interesting. So we're drinking the Shell, August Shell Oktoberfest, and uh, it's a nice drinker. I had a bunch of Oktoberfest this weekend, and this one's up on par with some of the better ones we had. It's, it's, a, it's a nice, I mean, good Oktoberfest is going to be a real nice drinkable beer. It's going to not be offensive in any particular way, and it's going to go down smooth and easy. There, it, It's rare for an Oktoberfest to wow you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's just not that type of beer. It's not the type of beer that's going to wow you. I mean, that, that's why the Sam, the Sam Adams last year really was different. Because well, Oktoberfest can wow you if you are into Oktoberfests. But if you're a, a, a newbie to craft beer and you're trying all these flavors and, you know, a double IPA wows you or an Imperial Stout wows you. And Oktoberfest is it's a much subtler beer, right? I mean, there's... I can't think of any Imperial Oktoberfest off the top of my head. I'm sure there's one out there. <laughs> but it's a subtler beer. And I was wowed by the Erdinger Oktoberfest I had on Saturday. Really? It was just really good, nice, well-rounded. It was the best out of the three that I had and uh, quite the specimen. Well, I guess it's possible. And I, I don't, it's just, I don't want to preclude the possibility that somebody may get wowed by... It's just a smaller degree of wow yes. than other style beers. Uh, is it going to knock you off your seat? If you love Oktoberfest, it might. If you love, I... But you, ha- you have to appeal to... It's appealing to a different audience than a right. lot of wow beers. Let me put it this way. If you've had a bunch of double IPAs and Imperial Stouts that night, I bet Oktoberfest isn't going to wow you no matter how good it is. No, it's not. So you have to drink it in the right perspective. Mm-hmm. We have a piece of news here we didn't get to from last week's show. Uh, Molson Coors Brewing Company has formed a brewing subsidiary called AC Golden Brewing Company to cultivate specially craft-like beer brands. <laughs> craft-like. Uh, I'm guessing the, whichever news outlet I got this off of added the craft-like. Mm-hmm. In yet another move from a major brewers to gain a bigger share of the fast-growing high-margin craft and import segment. An email to employees last week, Coors Brewing said that the brand incubation brewery would introduce products by rolling them out in a slow, deliberate fashion. The email stated that Blue Moon will not be folded into AC Golden Brewing. So anyway, keep an eye out for the AC Golden. And, you know, it's another opportunity for for us to sell out by trying those beers and seeing if they're any good. But if it's about the beer in the glass, which some of our listeners feel, then we've got to see if they're any good. I'm sure they have the knowledge to make good beer. Will Will marketing acquiesce to the point where they'll let them make good beer? We'll have to see. I mean, if the Sandlot's driving it. 
it might turn out better than if uh, you know some guy working I mean, the third shift at cores. They is talk about it. the fast growing high margin in craft and import segment. Is it really that high margin? If you're making really good beer, are the margins that high? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Isn't it mostly a, a, a quality over quantity issue? And, and aren't you really just you know you're putting your your well the margins might come into, into place. Margins might come into place with the volume that Anheuser Busch or Coors could do it at. They could probably brew a brown ale in a fourteen hundred barrel batch cheaper than a microbrewery could do a, a, a five barrel or ten barrel batch. You know, so they might they might be able to create margins and sell at the same price point because they do huge batches of it. Maybe, but if they do, all about if they do huge batches of a really unique and good and special beer, are they really going to have that much selling? Well, that's that's an argument that lots of people have, but I'm just saying. They're pictures of efficiency, right? I mean, these guys, they do everything they can to get the most out of their ingredients, right? They're more efficient than most craft brewers. I mean, Anheuser-Busch, right. you know, they can save an efficiency point on Budweiser. They're going to save millions of dollars, right? So if they take that same efficiency... Well, because they're spending billions, so... Right. But if they take that same efficiency over to very large batches of craft-like beer, then I think it would be high margin because they'd be able to produce the same style beer at presumably a lower cost because of the efficiencies they already have built into their system. Only if you count into the amount that they're working with. I mean, if they're still doing small batches, it won't be a the, lower these cost. Breweries, in fact, they'll probably be at a higher cost because in order to divert their product into that small batch system, it's actually a higher cost. Yeah, but if you look at what their minimum production run for one of these breweries are, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, it's going to be several years for a lot of microbreweries, entire production. Maybe. For a single production run. Is it? We don't know. I I just think that you know. Do you do you expect that Coors is going to jump into this with? All right. Let Let's say we believe that people at Coors are are capable of brewing an exceptional beer, something you know really cool. Do you really think that the people of Coors are going to jump into this and make it nationwide and make it a huge batch of this really exceptional beer? You think that that. They'll, they'll even try that? Well, no, because to them, it's not a huge batch. Their normal batch size is huge for many of the craft brewers. It's more than they'll do in a long amount, of, a lot of brewing. And I just think they'll have a lower overhead in producing. Sure, there's startup costs. But once they have a product rolling, this whole thing started from the high margin craft beer industry. And I'm just stating that if they can produce at a lower cost because Which, of their efficiencies. See, and this shows me there's a problem. They're looking at it from purely a cost perspective. They're not looking at it at, you know, consumers want this. They're saying, wow, look at all the high margins we can exploit. This is... It's the, it's the business side of beer instead of the love side of beer, you know? It's, <laughs> it's kind of why we're here to promote why, you know, we love beer. I, I guess, I mean, you know... You you would hope that a company would want to do this because they love beer, not because they see, you know, they, they want to produce something really yeah, great because they love it, not because well, look at the high margins we can put out. Right, but do you think? I mean, but you, you if you if you're basing your beer on that, it's not going to be good. Okay, high margins, but again, you can't run a non profitable brewery and stay in business, right? Pizza Board doesn't sell Lost Abbey at a loss, right? So they have to cover their expenses and keep people employed right so i mean it's a business no matter what no matter how much you wanted to think about beer it has you to be can, about the you beer. can spin off something as a loss for a while and hope it gains traction 
Sure. You could do this. If you're a big enough company like Courses, then yeah, you can. It's not you, you don't expect something like this to be profitable immediately. And so maybe you don't push off a million barrels of something. Maybe you start slow and you see if that gains. But I think that sentence just says they're not getting into a market that has no future. I mean, sure, it's a bit... This article could have very well been written for, you know, the alcohol industry newsletter or something, right? Where they just state that the craft beer segment right. is a high-margin, high-growth market. I guess. I don't think that's it, from the... It, it will remain to be seen. We'll have to keep an eye out for them. But uh, anyway, we'll hope... Gotta make, we're in danger of boring our listeners about this. Um, did you, do you notice something on, on this? Do you notice that the, the aftertaste is very much reminiscent of if you were to chew on a little bit of malt? I really noticed a nice malty aftertaste. I never equated it with actually chewing on malt, though. But yeah, it has a great lingering malt aftertaste, that's for sure. I like it. Shell, August Shell Oktoberfest, that is. Out of New Ulm, Minnesota. Got an email from Jordan. First, he, uh, he says he's a new listener to Craft Beer World. And, oh wait, <laughs> it's about the three philosophers. Oh, I'm a gang, okay. He's a new listener to Craft Beer World? I'm a new listener, and I'm sorry. Jordan writes in, he says he's a new listener and new to the craft beer world, and he wanted to know if we've heard about an ale called Three Philosophers by Omegang. Have we ever? Yeah, we're big fans of Omegang. He just wanted to point out that he tried it last weekend and it really opened his eyes to the style of beer. I was just wondering if you guys had any thoughts on the product. Uh, Three Philosophers is a quad with cherries in it, I believe. It yeah. might be barrel-aged uh, from Omegang Brewery in Cooperstown, New York. And... Um, yeah, it's a tasty, and Omegang makes a bunch of great beers. So, Jordan, if you see other ones from Omegang, check them out. Their um, their Hennepin Saison, I really like that one. Their their one that's called Omegang, their Abbey Double, right. it's a very good one as well. Other I, quads you may be able to find. Um, Weyerbacher makes a good quad. Um, um, I liked it. I remember I liked it a lot. You don't like it too much. It, it's, it's not... You liked Icor more, I think. Uh, Icor was kind of crazy, too. Yeah, I mean, there's some quads out there. I'd, I wouldn't really call Weyerbacher like a, a an authentic Abbey-style quad. Lost, Ab- Lost Abbey Judgment Days. Really okay, there we go. All right. You're correct, sir. But yeah, check out everything from uh, Omegang. And there's actually one Omegang beer I've never had. I've never had the Rare Voss. It's uh, Belgian-style amber, which I have a coaster here right in front of me. But I've never had got around to trying that beer. Um, well, let's get our next beer. All right. Let's stay up in the uh, the northwest or the. What's that? Minnesota's part of the not called? exactly the northwest. Yeah, what's part of that country called? North. The frigid or, north. Frigid north. <laughs> it's the Midwest. Minnesota's yeah, that's it. Let's stay in the Midwest with uh, Lining Kugels Oktoberfest Lager. They are from. Lining Kugels is Miller, right? They are kind of Miller, yes, but they're still kind of separate. They're. They're like Old Dominion. Are they? I mean, from last I heard, Miller, you know, kind of took the reins, but... No, I'm pretty sure they're still... They're like Widmer, or like Widmer Brothers, uh, Red Hook. They're in that kind of thing, where they're part kind of owned by them, they use distribution, but they're they're not a Miller DBA right. or something like that. I'm going to try to clear the biases from my head, though, when we drink this. It's not quite as dark as the shell. It's got uh, kind of a... Instead of a tan, it's more of an orangish uh, color. On Very it. clear, though. This one pours clear, unlike the um, 
the August show, which was a bit cloudy. I can't smell when you're filling my ears with all that. It was weird. I took a whiff and I, my ears were like, and like my nose stopped working. Hmm. A little bit of breadiness. I'm not really getting much. I'm getting a, I'm getting a weird tart smell, like um, ripe bananas or something like that. That's interesting. I see where you're coming from, though, on that. Okay. It has a, uh... Alright. Hmm. It has a light body on it. Lighter than you'd expect, but it does have a bit more flavor than I was expecting just from looking at it. It's, um, it's actually kind of the smoothest one we've had so far. In terms of flavor profile. I'm getting this very dry mouth. It's drying me, like cotton mouth type. Drying me out at the end, almost. Um, it's chalky. it's it's that bitterness. It's some of the bitterness from the hops. I think is is hitting you like that. Almost chalky, and now the late aftertaste is rolling up my tongue, and it's um, it's noble twang type flavor. I'm getting this like tart metal tinny type flavor. And that aroma is going from bananas to feet or something. I'm not sure. The aroma is not. The most attractive thing about this beer, but what I do think—what is, is that aroma? What is that? Is it off, some kind of off flavor? It's like toe jam or something. <laughs> From under cheese. Uh, it actually has a, a pretty smooth flavor profile, like I was saying. It doesn't spike uh, towards hoppy or towards malty like the other ones. Uh, it gives you kind of a, a mixture of, of malt with a little bit of hopness in there. Yeah, I'm saying I will say I'm kind of disappointed with this one. The the flavor I'm getting on it is is it just seems washed out, watered down, a little bit of. There's bit some of, of that noble stuff coming through. I don't feel it, it tastes washed out to me. It's not as good as Shell. Certainly, I think it's probably a little bit better than Lancaster. This actually, to me, this tastes like a uh, craft-like, macro-produced beer. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's too bad. It says, Northwood's favorite brewed in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, by 73 people who care. About money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think this is as bad as Jeff does. I think it's... Certainly not the best of the night, even, uh, but it's not the worst of the night either. I'd have to try it heads up with the Lancaster to see which one I thought was better. It's hard for me to call back and get an email from Danny. He was listening to the show and thought he'd let us know that he's listening from Busan, South Korea. This is when we asked about people listening from non-English speaking countries. Indeed. He's a transplanted Oki teaching English to Korean children. He's been here for seven months. It'll be another five months and 23 days before he can buy any Porter's, Lambics, or IPAs again. Beer selection here includes the standard bad lagers like MGD, Asahi, Corona, Heineken, Korean brewed Budweiser, and the Korean beer Height. I think it's Hite. Hite. Kas and Kafri. There are about 10 decent beers he can get Lefa Blonde, 
and Brown, Duval, Negra Modella, Hoogarden, Cooper's Best Extra Stout, Pilsner Quell, and Guinness Draft. Each beer costs between 2 and $5 per bottle at the store. There's no price break for a six-pack. Guinness is a minimum of $3 per 12-ounce can. Sales prices don't sound that bad to me. It's not like you're talking like 8 $9 a bottle. But Out of those, what would you say is bad? Probably Hoogarden. Um, no, the Leffa. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, the Hogarth is very good. Yeah, and Cooper's Best Extra Stout, I really like that. Uh, Pilsner, Quell, and Draft is good. So, I mean, there's decent beers, just a small yeah. selection. You're revisiting yeah. your friends a lot with that one. You're going back to the same old beers over and over. There's a chain of bars here called the Wabar that have Newcastle and Erdinger. But those beers cost 8 to $14 each. He said they had Poland or Salvador on the menu, but he didn't see it in the ice trough. Again, it cost me $8 to $10 for a 12-ounce bottle anyway. Well. But he says, he's, I suppose it could be worse, right? It could be worse. Uh, you know, he brings up something. He brings up Newcastle, which I haven't tried in a long time. I'd like to pair that against the Radios. I mean, I'm sure it's not going to do well. I've had but. it. I tried it not less than a year ago, probably less than six months ago. And, yeah, after drinking real brown ales, it's, it, it's hard. It's, it's To me, yeah. it's not where it needs to be at all. I'm going to keep reading emails since this beer is not doing it for me. Jim Fuhrer wrote... two more beers left, you know. I know. Jim Fuhrer wrote in. A few episodes back, he suggested the public house in Boston is a good beer destination. I was in town on business from New York and was able to get there last Saturday evening. They had Rogue's Chocolate Stout, which is one of my favorites. I currently have the hazelnut nectar on tap in my basement. Anyway, after a few stouts, I decided to try a Belgian double. I had been skeptical of Belgians for quite a long time because of some bad experiences years ago. Your shows on Belgian beers made me realize that a double might be the right place to reintroduce myself to these brews. I asked the bartender for a suggestion, and he gave me a bottle of Westmall. Loved it. Westmall, good stuff. The show was a great listen. He just goes on to say that, you know, thanks for, uh, you know, opening his eyes to Belgian. So that mission accomplished. Absolutely. I'm happy. Happy to open people's eyes to... Yeah. Well, that's a secondary mission. The first mission is to get the fizzy yellow bud drinkers to drink something good. <laughs> Second one is to let someone who likes craft beer but figure out what new styles they might like as well. And a third mission is to get stuff in the mail. <laughs> Speaking of which, okay, this came in the mail today. Yeah. So we got this shrink wrap bo- box. It's propped open with two bottles of Pilsner Quell. has a ribbon on it and some cigars inside, apparently. There's a cart inside the shrink wrap. Let's see. We have no idea who this is from. I'm guessing it's Pilsner Quell Marketing. That'd be my guess. But the cigars, I'm like, was it some kind of congratulations on the baby thing? But this wouldn't come until the baby was born. Okay, yeah, celebrate the of the, the birth of the original golden beer. Yeah, so we got an email about this press release about Pilsner Quell's anniversary or right. something like that. Jeff was waiting to call it a macro buck, but I thought that it wasn't really worthy because... This? Oh. The, the press release. No, it wasn't a macro buck. I just wanted you to... I was kind of laughing at the verbiage in it. Well, I mean, I thought it was actually reasonable. I mean, it is. Okay. It, a lot of it was actually true. I mean, before Pilsner or Kell came about, before the gold beer, beer was kind of... I mean... They called it murky. And it was. It, beer was not... No, they're still lagering. It just wasn't golden. Oh. So it wasn't murky. Okay. Yeah, so we got two bottles of Pilsner Quill. Hopefully in very good shape because they were in a box and... And, uh, yeah, two cigars from uh, Pilsner Quill. Wow. <laughs> a cigar snipper and a little... You don't smoke, so I'll take these. 
if you don't. Oh, this is a humidor, I guess, here. Yeah, there's a little humidity thing. Oh, man, that's awesome for the cigars. Yeah. That is sweet. If you don't want it, I'm going to take it. And, and how's the cigar going to enhance the flavor of Pilsner Quill? That is a good question. That is a good question. In fact, it's, it's actually, from my experience, it opens up all those pores and stuff on your tongue, so it makes it harsher. Mm-hmm. Particularly a beer like Pilsner Quill, where it's going to be like really harsh carbonation anyway. Right, okay. Okay, the next beer, we just finished up the Lion and Kugel's Oktoberfest, and we're going to the Atwater Block Specialty Lager Blocktoberfest. Uh, double silver medal winner at the GABF for the Oktoberfest style. Atwater Block is also in the Midwest. They are... Atwater Block is in Detroit, Michigan. They, uh, they're really on a lot of taps in the market with their uh, vanilla Java Porter. I've seen that. Yeah, they're, they have... A lot of taps with that beer on. So it's an interesting beer. Uh, it's not one of my favorite vanilla chocolate type flavored beers. But I think it's, it's one of those, you know, it's one of those beers that appeal to people who are trying something new without mm-hmm. being beery. Yeah, when I, I had a fr- uh, coworker from Boston in town, he he tried it and he enjoyed it a lot. And he's kind of a crap. He likes Belgian beers and things like that, and he thought it was great. So this beer pours darker than the uh, line of cools. This one's a, a brown. So uh, I was uh, reading Draft Magazine, and there was this uh, ad for tasteyourbeer.com, beer appreciation kits. So I emailed the guy. I'm like, hey, I'd love to check it out to see if it's you know something cool that you know our listeners would like or not. And so he sent us a sample. And what the kit is is um, 13 little vials of hops that you can smell and a vial of coffee beans and then a little pamphlet to tell you how to taste beer and not drink, you know, macro swill. It explains a little bit about hops, a little bit about this and that. But I think, you know, for a lot of our listeners who are not beginners, I think it is useful because of, where else can you buy little vials of 14 kinds of hops to compare and contrast the aromas? So I just grabbed one here. This is Pearl from Germany, 6.3% alpha acid. So you take the little top off and give it a little whiff. And to me, that smelled like an East Kent Goldings. And we'll have to find EKG in here somewhere. It's on the... It's on. Well, it was Pearl. Yeah. But see, if I was dr- blind, I would have said it was Goldings. Okay, so here's Goldings. I'll take a run of this. It smells a lot the same. Actually, I'm smelling your cigars. <laughs> Did you put this back in the humidor? Yeah, it's in the humidor. Uh, well, Pearl is, is based on uh, Hiller Tower. It's close to Hiller Tower. See, it smelled more earthy. It's across between Hiller Tower and Northern Brewer. Okay, it smelled more uh, earthy, more... Eastkin Gildings to me, but so this is a neat little kit, and you can go to tasteyourbeer.com and check it out. Keep these in the fridge if you want them to last. They're going to get a little cheesy after time because it's just a little bit of pellet hops. Another thing Greg and I were talking about were to make hop teas out of all these hops to taste them instead of just smell them. So he he didn't like the idea of doing that on the show, but we might do an extra. Or I might just do it on my own time and, and taste these all these different kinds of hops before they get old. Tasteyourbeer.com, check it out. Okay, so the Atwater Block Blocktoberfest. My nose is now completely stuffed up. Okay, the so the so the aroma. Let me help Greg. I'll be Greg seeing smelling nose dog. <laughs> it is crazy malty on this one compared to the ones we've had, the ones I had this weekend. Everything. It almost smells like uh, a brown ale or an oh. amber, a really malty amber or something like that. Now. I'm presuming it still uses Vienna or Munich or something like that. So it's not quite as sweet, 
but there's just tons of malt. You know how I said there wasn't, I haven't seen an Imperial Oktoberfest? From the aroma, there's no alcohol aroma in it, but just the amount of malt, this is kind of what, where it might go, you know? <laughs> it, it's a nice smell. It's my favorite smell of the, of the night by far. I can't believe that I can't taste, can't smell it, but immediately there, there's a strong carbonation up front. You stuffed them quick. Yeah, all of a sudden, just bam, like that. I was, you know, I was smelling these earlier, I smelled your coffee, I was smelling the hops, and then like, bam, it just happened. So this is definitely an American craft Oktoberfest. It's very different from the other ones. I'm almost, I'm definitely getting some some caramel and roast. One of those attributes they said was inappropriate from for the style. Doesn't mean it's not a good beer though. Getting almost almost a little coffee at the edges of my tongue. Yeah. Yeah. It's it was strange, you know, you're seeing this brown beer. I don't know if we went over the color. Yeah we did. We started that's how we got into the uh, taste your beer. On the back of the book they have the the SRMs, but they just have a uh, SRMs? Yeah, the standard uh Refractory measurement or something. I don't know. It's a color of beer uh-huh. where like this is like a two, this right. golden, and then this is like a 40, this black color here. The thing is, they don't write the SRMs. They just have a key and the numbers on them. And the key is hidden in the book and it's eluding me. So, anyway. This is one of those beers I could really, you know, you just want to smell over and over again. I, I'm not rubbing it in, Greg. I'm just trying to let the listeners know that this beer has a great smell to it. Yeah, there's a lot of roast, and at the end, there's also some bitterness. That yeah, I think the there's some, I think there's, I'm getting some hop flavor early in the flavor, and then, it's, and then it fades to roast. Guitar Gary says, guys, I love your show. I love beers that have lots of hop flavor. However, the reference to man candy seemed a bit over the top. Try not to use that term in the future as it's both confusing as to its descriptive quality and also sounds a bit gay. As Seinfeld would say, there's not that there's anything wrong with that. Well, we got a little feedback about me and candy. Yeah. And I don't think it related to over the show as well as it did like at the mo- in the moment. We're not talking about... It's not salty. <laughs> oh, God. Candy for men. Is that a better way of putting it? If anyone's had that beer or the uh, Three Floyds Alpha King, they knew exactly, and they're probably like, dang, yeah, that is like candy for me, men. But the, the only thing is, I mean, I'm sure there are women who enjoy that beer, so they may be offended by us saying it's candy. Oh, it's definitely men. a sexist remark, yes. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Adult candy? doesn't flow. It doesn't flow as well, but that's kind of what we meant. It, it's mm-hmm. like... It's as enjoyable when when you're a kid. You enjoy that candy, you know. You you love getting that candy bar or that that lollipop, and you're just yeah licking the bejesus out of it. That's the same way that, that this uh, this flavor is. It's just it's such an enjoyable and rich flavor. You just want to get as much of it as possible. Yep, I agree. It's it was just tasty. It's funny how the emails these guys always email in pairs. They should form a band after Guitar Gary is tasty bassist. <laughs> And he said he went to the Stone anniversary party on Saturday. It was a few weeks ago. He had some Port Brewing's Badonka Dunkel, and he really liked it. Realized that Dunkels were something he's not totally familiar with and was wondering if you guys might throw a Dunkel show in the hopper. Greg loves Dunkels, if I'm not mistaken. I love Dunkels a lot. Dunkels are hard to find. I mean, there's a couple, and we could probably throw a show together for a really look, but it's not like, you know, 
you just walk in and open the cooler and say, hey, there's three dunkles right there. Take a little bit of work to sort them out. The most, but one that we know the best is the one from Church Brewworks here in Pittsburgh. They have a pious monk dunkle. 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 And, uh, yeah, it's it's tasty beer, nice and roasty. It, you know, maybe it's like the next step up after Oktoberfest, what would you say? Probably. It's it's along those lines. I mean, you can't enjoy it unless you like lagers. Mm-hmm. If you're not in the phase where you like lagers, you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah, it's not like it really translates from a porter very well. Yeah. So what do you think about the Atwater Block? It's not bad. It's not bad at all. I like it. it it's it, Does it qualify? Does it fit the BJCP? Probably not. No. But it's... it won awards, so clearly they, they were... Well... They yeah. weren't holding that against it. Well, they didn't say what category it won awards in. But you would assume Oktoberfest. Right. It's hard to call something something and have it win awards in a different category. Yeah, you're right. It's interesting. It's just completely different. And there's a lot of roast in there. And we were tasting coffee in an Oktoberfest. Yeah. And, and that's verboten in the style guidelines. But again, if it's just about how good the beer tastes, it's a tasty, yes. full-bodied, sweet drinker beer. And... Uh, it's worth checking out if you can find it. Well, our very last beer of the night is for all you left-handers out there. Woohoo! Left-handers unite. <laughs> no wonder Jeff's so queer. <laughs> Finish your beer. Stop tearing me down. Oh, sorry. Did you want some? Righties rule the world, my friend. Lefties only make television shows. This. Okay, so this is another assault on the uh, the olfactories. Hopefully, great. Hopefully, Greg can smell a little bit. That is nice. <laughs> he has there a few seconds of there reprieve. <laughs> That's really nice. That, that oh, has the uh, aroma. On this one's even more. Well, it smells like that. It really had a great malty aroma. I mean, really, you could smell those grains in there. Yeah, to me, it smells like aroma that you get when you're um, milling grain for like a stout or a port yeah. or something like that. But you know, it's not that dark. It's a Slightly cloudy, same color brown right in there. I'm guessing they poured a ton of Munich malt in here to get this flavor aroma in the... Wow, that's really good. It's really smooth. It's, um... Oh, yeah, the malt flavor. Yeah. I mean, wow. You know how we say beer has malty flavors? Sometimes it's... It's just what we say because there's malt flavor in there. This beer has a malty flavor. This beer tastes like a mouthful of of pale of malt, doesn't it? I mean, it has yeah, some of those and, flavors. You know, normally you like a beer to go through different phases. All these beers have gone through phases. This one is pretty much the same throughout, and it's really smooth and and uh, really. It's just the the flavor curve is so smooth here. I mean, that you're getting such such a direct flavor here. It has a bit of flavor of not necessarily wort because wort would be hopped but the runnings from the mash tun i don't know if you've ever got to drink drink runnings out of a mash tun i don't think so yeah because you've i I, you haven't had all grain brewed or anything um but you get the sweet liquor you know as soon as you wash the sugars out of the and this has a flavor that's very reminiscent of that i mean the amount of munich malt they put in this thing must be over the top that's fantastic you get this at yeah you can get this here in pittsburgh Uh, Left hand is in uh, Longmont, Colorado, and I will be at the brewery next week. There you go. Yes. Wow, that's really good. I mean, that is, 
all the other ones had like a little bit of harshness at the end somewhere, or a little bit of you know, the the hop was was cutting through it. The a flavor. Bit. I'm sorry, you finished. I just I had to like say what I was tasting. The, go ahead. The, the hop was cutting through it a bit in some places. This one, it's just it's so smooth. Everything works together. Everything melds. It's complete. The whole thing is complete from beginning to end. Like it's funny when you take a sip of this, the the flavor starts telling your tongue, okay, you're going to be drinking a porter. Or something roasty. And then, like, right before it gets to the precipice, it turns around and says, here, have some Munich malts. Here, have tons and tons of Munich malt. Because I get this, like, it's getting roasty, it's getting roasty. No, nope. fake, not roasty, <laughs> malty. <laughs> it's nice and smooth. It's got a creamy uh, consistency to it, you know, creamy um, mm-hmm. uh, mouthfeel to it. It's this is, this is the best of the night by far. I mean, this, this really eclipses the other ones. As much as I have liked some of the other ones. This one wins significantly. This is really good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tasty. I wonder if this would taste as good if we hadn't had all these other Oktoberfests. I suspect you know, it would. Because it, the real way this wins over the other ones, in addition to being the you know, very flavorful, is that the comparison. Now, here's a question for you. Will you revise your statement from earlier in the show? Where you said an Oktoberfest won't knock your socks off. Yes. No. You won't revise your no, statement. I won't. Okay. No. Uh, I was just curious how good this was compared to that statement. This this is this is a beer that's very you know it's a really good really drinkable beer. This is I mean of the beers we tasted tonight I think it's head and shoulders above the rest of them. However, so far at least I haven't tried an Oktoberfest that I would call a wild beer. Okay. It's pretty outside the boundaries of what it, I thought. It's not, it's not to say you, you, it's not to say that uh, a beer has to be flavorful to be called a wild beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I Dortmund Gold is a wild beer for me, so that's not Excuse a me. that's not a beer that that's not a beer that. Uh, Start over, say Dortmund Gold. Dortmund Gold is a wild beer for me, that, and that's not a beer that will kill anybody with flavor. But it's just a beer that is, is so perfect. Right. I don't know this beer. It's it's kind of outside what I thought an Oktoberfest could be. And the Outwater Block was kind of close, too. I mean, these are definitely American reinventions of Oktoberfest. Uh, Because I had the Erdinger this weekend, and I thought that was like a specimen to behold. And while it is, and I still appreciate it, and I think that the Shell Oktoberfest, the August Shell, was a very good traditional Oktoberfest. But these uh, last two are just Americans going nuts with the stuff. Which... I mean, it, it makes sense because if you compare a, I mean, there's, there's now they have split it up. So there's an American IPA and there's a European IPA. Mm-hmm. They actually split up the categories of BGCP, right? Right. Yeah, there's English IPA so, and American. Because the English IPA didn't didn't really that description didn't account for what the Americans were doing, so they had to split up. So maybe we got to split up the American style Oktoberfest. Is more Baltic. You got to be careful and, because it's slippery slope. Because there's beers. Okay, so there's two beers in my slippery slope. The, the, the guy, the guy who wants artisan ketchup, is talking to me about a slippery <laughs> slope on Oktoberfest. Oh, it's devil's advocate here. I'm just saying that you know, there's so many other styles that uh, that Americans have really changed and abused and you know destroyed from the traditional ones. Destroyed, reinvented. Americans didn't destroy destroyed. the IPA; they perfected it. Destroyed and reinvented. Yes, <laughs> but um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, certainly these are in a different category. And again, you know, 
who, you know, it's not, let's not get hung up over style guides, really. Style guides should help people figure out, oh, you're, what's this new left hand beer? It's an Oktoberfest. Okay, so now I have a baseline, and it's going to exceed your expectations in right. just about everyone's case. But we talk, we compare it to the baseline to help you get oriented with how it's different from what you might expect. Do we have rankings? Yeah, we can do some rankings. All right, so um, your left hand is number one for me. Surprise, surprise. Uh, probably at water black though. At water black. At water. At water. fest. Block. At water block. Blocktoberfest. Uh, I seem to remember it being enjoyable. I mean, I like the lighting kugels. I think a little bit more than the shell. Oh, really? Maybe I don't really. Was it? I liked it more. Than, I liked it more than Lancaster. I know that. You uh, like the the shell better. I won't put words in your mouth, but okay. All right. I, I don't. I don't quite remember it, okay. but it was a stepped up anyway. So uh, the shell, and then uh, the lighting kugels, and then the uh, Lancaster. No, Lancaster. The August shell. I want to rank high because it was a good. Traditional example, but I can't put it in front of the left hand. The left hand was just yeah. giving you a whole new experience with beer. For for an Oktoberfest, it was a wow beer because I never thought I'd taste that much Munich malt in a beer other than a mouthful of malt. For number two, I I'm having a tough time figuring out I want the August Shell or the Atwater Block. You know, for number two, I'm going to put the August Shell number two. Because for a traditional Oktoberfest made in America, it's a very authentic example, and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, water block is just behind that because <laughs> it was a, a very interesting American take in the beer and tasted well. And then I'm going to have to put the line of cools last because uh, it tasted a bit macroish. I see. And uh, I'd, I'd have to go side by side to figure out how the Lancaster and the uh, line of cools you know, face off against each other, I can tell you. Well, there you go. One last email, since he's been waiting for two shows to get on here. And it regards the uh, people from foreign-speaking lands listening to the show. This is from Philip, hopefully your middle, or your uh, name is Philip Nifloat Smith. Hey guys, thanks for CBR. Listen to the podcast on public transport here in Oslo, Norway. There you go. While it keeps me in touch with the world of good, high-quality beer, it also tears savagely at my heartstrings. The reason... You, have you ever bought beer in Oslo? Nope. No, we haven't. <laughs> Let me tell you what I mean. The local Mass Pills is Rhines. Not a bad beer, especially as I'm an Australian. And compared to the swill I drink called Victoria Bitter back home, Rhines isn't that bad. That. Yeah, we've had Victoria Bitter and 4X. <laughs> yeah. Here's the kicker, though. Price is around 50 kroner, about $8 US a glass. Don't even ask what you have to pay for a pint of Guinness. All right, I'll tell you, it's $12, wow. United States. So the reason your show is both great and terrible is that to be able to afford the beers I like, Leffa Chimay, the occasional Sam Adams or Angle Steam, I need to mortgage my wife, my house, and my three friends. I start with your friends. Yeah. The upside of this is uh, there's two. He's a two-hour flight from Belgium, so weekends with real beer are always in the cards. That's good. <laughs> and he also <laughs> says if you find the... Uh, find it so newsworthy you can send us one of the Chimay packs because he can't only get the beer but he uh, can't get a decent glass either 
Sorry, Sorry. The stuff is already shipped. And the, uh, it's hard to ship across cross country. Well, that's it. Uh, we had some foreigners win beer like prizes, and uh, I think we're gonna have to like Canada Customs opens every package. Right, right. Heather has experience with shipping to Canada, and um, there's no way I'll get beer into Canada. And UK, I'm not sure if I want to try to ship beer. I already got an email from the UK listener who says it's okay, so we're gonna get him something else. All right, so that's it for Craft Beer Radio Oktoberfest edition. We'll see you next week. Uh, brand new beers. Yes, and keep, look for that left hand out of Longmont, Colorado. Indeed. It's a wild Oktoberfest beer. It's good stuff. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. Send us an email at beer at craftbeerradio.com or check out our website, craftbeerradio.com, for forums and more information. Our music, opening and closing, were Out of Towners by the band St. Dragon, available from the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is licensed under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Party on it.